0: In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you
1: would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our topic today is Transition Challenges and Practical Ideas for Military-Connected Children. I'm Katja Pinkston. I'm a parent educator, training and curriculum writer and webinar developer for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also a parent and the spouse of a retired service member. Our son graduated from a DoDEA school overseas and is currently in college. Joining me today is Stacey Heisman and Dr. Amanda Trimulos, who has a doctorate in education and together, Amanda and Stacy have written the book Seasons for My Military Student. And both Amanda and Stacy are also spouses of active duty service members. Amanda and Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today for our podcast. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves?
2: Good afternoon, thank you for having us. Um, I'm Amanda Tremios, and like you said, I'm an Air Force spouse, and I'm a mother of four resilient children who love being able to call themselves Mill Kids. I'm a National Board Certified Teacher, and I have a passion for teaching middle school and high school students. And like you said, my doctorate's in um, education and teacher leadership. And through that process, I focused my research on the professional development of teachers working with military-connected students. My family is currently stationed in Germany overseas, which is actually where I started my teaching experience. My first year teaching, I was teaching in DoDEA schools overseas. And when I taught, I was never introduced to how to work with military-connected students. And it was meeting my students and working with my students that led me into the journey of researching and building strategies to work with those students in my classroom.
3: All right, I'll jump on in. My name is Stacy um, Heisman, and I am Amanda's co-author, and I'm also a military spouse. Been married to my husband for some time now. He's, I think, we're at 25 years active duty, so we've been doing this for some time. Um, I was actually born and raised in the same city all of my life. I was born and raised in Las Vegas. And for me, the idea of changing schools just was not a part of my uh, experience. And then I had these two amazing military-connected kids I started. We started changing schools every one to three years, and it was exhausting because it was such a challenge to be able to pull out and then pull back in again or push back in again um, to a new school and start all over. My background is in journalism, and I'm a writer, and I like to dig deep into issues and find out um, how to solve a problem, and this is where Amanda and I kind of came together as a teacher and a parent, of course, and me as a writer and a parent of two amazing kids, and together we, we worked on creating a better solutions for military-connected families through transition and education.
1: Mm-hmm. So that brings me right to my question. You wrote a book on transitioning military-connected students, and I'm curious to know, why did you write this book? Well, uh, like I said before, and I'll jump in, this is
3: Stacey again, as a freelancer, writer and journalist I've always covered these issues that are close to home. We wrote this book because we felt that parents and teachers are really the boots on the ground when it comes to military kids and education transition. That we believe that, you know, there's some really great policies and there's some amazing people out there who love our kids and want the very best for them, but the people who are interacting with them on a daily basis are teachers and parents. And I we believe that we can transition them a lot better, um, knowing their shal- knowing their challenges and being prepared and awareness. So that's one of the reasons why Amanda and I got together to write this book, and um, we're pretty proud of it.
2: And this is Amanda, and I think, in all honesty, both Stacy and I, in our minds, started writing this book years ago. I for me, it was you know 20 years ago when I was my first year teacher, and I met a student named Matthew, and his first introduction to me was that he was he was remaining overseas living with a friend, but his parents had received orders and returned to the States. And at that moment I didn't understand why a family would leave a student behind. And what I learned years later and after meeting many Matthews later in the same situation of their parents moving and leaving them behind was that had Matthew moved with his family, he would not have his transcripts wouldn't have transferred with him and he would have lost credits. And so he wouldn't have actually graduated on time and he would have lost lost his college application, um, his, his college acceptance letters. And so I learned a lot just meeting my students and learning about their challenges and then finding ways to support them. But what many listeners might not know is that in our minds, Stacy and I you know, started this book years ago, but Stacy and I didn't actually know each other until we were at writing the book together. So when we met, Stacy was stationed in Germany where she was designing and built families on the home front, um, and then she was training parents to work with military connected students to advocate for their kids. I was stationed in DC and I was hosting trainings for teachers of military connected students, um, teaching the teachers about the challenges and the strategies to work with their students. And our publisher, Elva Risa, was watching both Stacy work in Germany and me work in DC and realized that we were both working a same agenda, um, just with different perspectives. And so the, so Alvarisa introduced us and asked us if we would write a book together through the voice of the parent and the teacher, um, as if they were sitting at one table. And so for the first year, Stacy and I were writing the book, we were actually on two different continents having never met and as any good, Military family story goes, my family received orders to, of all places, Germany. Stacy and I ended up becoming next-door neighbors, finished the book as next-door neighbors, and as we sent our final draft of the book to our publisher, Stacy received orders and returned to the States. So through this book, we were able to become not only friends, but also neighbors.
1: And this is such an amazing story. Isn't it wonderful how the military lifestyle brings people together and it lets us share experiences and, like your story just showed, lets us develop even lifelong friendships as well. So, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, let me get back to one of the reasons you just said that you wrote the book was because you wanted to help military families with transitions. Can you elaborate a little bit more on some of the challenges challenges that our students face when they change schools? Are there any specific scenarios that perhaps you have encountered yourself with your own family or with other military families?
2: You know, I'm going to pop in here and, you know, kind of before I give a story, I'm going to have us break down really what the seasons are. Because through the course of writing the book, um, Stacy, both of our families went through what we call the seasons of transition. What we show through the book is in each season that the student is in, there's very specific challenges related to that season, and very specific strategies that go along with the season. Um, all of the research we we had done through the building the book showed that everybody shows that 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 the seasons start with arrival, that the challenges start when a student arrives. And Stacy and I, in the book, back it up and say, actually, we need to start looking at a student in what we call the season of leaving. And we define the season of leaving as, when a student has hints of, an or- of orders to move. So the family doesn't necessarily even know where they're moving, but they know the cycle and they know this summer we should be receiving orders or this winter we should be receiving orders to move. And at that moment, just the hint of receiving orders, a student's academics will change, a student's social network will change, um, their emotional, Um, reactions to things in the classroom will change because they're starting to prepare themselves to say goodbye to their best friend. They're starting to prepare themselves to, to say goodbye to their favorite teacher. They're starting to prepare themselves for their exit out of a school even before they actually leave. And so we start with looking at the season of leaving and then Stacey I'll let you talk about a little bit the season of arriving.
3: Sure. And as Amanda alluded to, one of the things that we learned in, in all of our research and we came together as parents and teachers, we realized that the seasons follow the student and not the school calendar, which is something a little, uh, as Amanda mentioned, a little different than, than other books or things that we've read before. So as Amanda said, even, you know, the season of leaving is the hint of orders. Well, as soon as you're saying, as soon as you're leaving the school, um, the next season is a season of arriving and arriving is where things get really complicated this is where probably parents worry the most this is probably where we feel the most unsettled and it happens the moment we drive away from our last post or our, our house that we're saying goodbye to and through that it the season runs all the way through the first day of school up until the first two weeks of school and in that time it is about making sure we have we've got friends, it's finding a house, it's getting our stuff, it may not be getting our stuff, it's registering for school, it's making sure that we're in the right school, it's making sure that we are experiencing all the new firsts that the season can give us. And it is, like I said before, it is a time where parents are probably the most worried and where most of the stress kind of is projected onto the kids and the kids feel it as well. So the season of arriving is probably the one that I think most people can identify with the most.
2: And that's often where support and resources stop. You know, that's where, you know, when we know that the student's in the right class, that's where, you know, we know the student has somebody to sit with on the first day of school, so they're not alone. You know, schools create buddy programs to give the student a buddy the first day, you know, the first day, the first week of school. But Stacy and I dig deeper and think that, okay. At the second week of school, the student transitions typically into what we call the season of growing, and this is where we really need to have parents and teachers working together because now that we know that the student is in the right class, we now need to look at, well, what skills did the student coming with from their previous school? Do they have a gap in their learning? Because we know all states have different standards; they're working with different curriculums. So, does the student have any gaps in what they're learning? Maybe in their old school, they weren't they weren't ready to learn um, what the new school is about to teach. Or are there any overlaps in their learning? I know, as a high school teacher, just as I'm starting Romeo and Juliet, I would have a student walk into my room who you know just PCSed into the area, and the first thing they say is, "I just took my final exam on Romeo and Juliet." Right. That student has an overlap in learning because they're going to learn Romeo and Juliet twice. So I need to work with the parent to make sure that the six weeks I'm teaching Romeo and Juliet, that student isn't falling behind because there's now something that they're missing had they stayed in their original school. But it's also looking at them socially. You know, They had a buddy the first day of school, but are they building friendships? Are they, are they finding their place in the social network of their school? Are they emotionally settling? and being able to integrate themselves in the school. And this season of growing could last for however long the student needs it, just depending on how long it takes them to integrate both into the academics and into the, um, into the swing of building friendships and getting involved. And once they are done, there, there'll be a trigger and the parent will almost know it immediately that the student moves into what Stacy will describe in the season of thriving.
3: Right, and the season of thriving is one that all the parents have this collective sigh of relief. It says they get it, they're happy, because we all know that a parent is never happy until their kids are happy. And I know that sounds a little maybe uh, indulging, but it's so true. I am not settled until I know my kids have friends, until I know he, they're happy. I know that they are in the right classes. I know that they know how to get support from school if they need it that they're not walking around lost anymore and that they are actually trying at this stage to take a little bit more risks, maybe some personal risks like trying out for leadership, um, joining new clubs, uh, doing something new, and they're also taking academic risk, risks, risks, too. So, And all that equals growth at the end of the day, and that's what all the parents and teachers really strive for. And I can say this because the season ends almost as fast as it started, with the hint of orders again. And then we trigger ourselves right back to the beginning of the cycle. And that is the and that is the season of leaving. So the season of thriving stays as long as that child is at that same school. But the minute they make a change, we're we're um, moving through the cycle all over again.
2: Absolutely. And then we, we, we would be amiss if we didn't talk about, you know, the storms that military-connected students face. We call it, you know, storms in of military life. And, you know, these storms can happen and do happen for our students in any of those seasons. They're, you know, students working through a parent deployment, through family separations, through, like, you know, TDYs, um, through temporary duties or more severe storms, such as combat loss or injury and, you know, having parents come back and having to work through that. And all of those storms we call them is going to impact the student in the classroom, impact their friendships and the way they respond to, you know, different assignments in class and homework. And so we, in our book, we talk about, you know, how do parents and teachers work together to, make sure that the student is continuing to thrive even though they're
1: walking through a storm. So, uh, let's stay with the topic of what parents can do. Uh, One of the things you're suggesting in your book is to help ease some of those challenges is keeping a binder. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what you think, why you think putting together a binder is really helpful for military families?
3: Well, I can tell you because I have experienced it uh, over and over and over again, and it works. And I am a huge advocate of this, and this is what I base all of this, all of our research and experiences, go into this making this Ed Binder. It's an education binder, and what it is actually is just a portable teacher teachers lounge. Military kids don't get the don't get the benefit of a teachers lounge where teachers can discuss about a kid and. Oh, you'll know Johnny because you had Johnny's brother last year. Or, oh, yeah, I know the mom and dad. They're really good. They're really involved. Or, you know what, he does have trouble. He's going to need to sit at the front of the front of the room. We'd, military kids are always the new kid. So how do we counteract that? What we try to do is create continuity and continuity and, and just education history. And that really, that onus falls on the parents with a partnership with the teacher. An Education Binder to me is something that carries all of my students' academic records, personal letters, volunteer hours. It depends on the age, of course. You build it to, to match your child and your, what your child's activities are, but it's basically everything I need to know about my child that I can, at the end of the day, hand over to the teacher or hand over to the counselor and say, before you place my child in a school, or, sorry, in a class um, or with a teacher, Please read this." And what it has is test scores. It has reading levels. It has what we call a teacher-to-teacher letter, which is super important. It's when you ask your current teacher to write a letter about your child to their future teacher. And what it does is it it explains a child or a student as only a teacher can. And that's that, again, portable, portable teacher's lounge that I like to talk about. And the best part about this is you can start this as early as kindergarten. But this education binder will grow with the child every single year at every school change, and it will eventually turn into, if they are interested or if this is their if this is their trajectory to go into college, it'll end up tracking their volunteer hours, their re- letters of recommendation, their their classes they took, the credits they took, the ju- the credit dis- or the class descriptions that they have. So it's more than just record keeping. It's about telling your child's education story through each transition, and it is one of the most vital strategies that Amanda and I put together. And I say this, it's not just the parent, but the teacher has a part in this with every move, and that's something that we really, really advocate for. It really mitigates a lot of problems that. Um, that can be avoided just by documenting.
1: Yeah, and uh, I can actually personally recommend using a binder too. I like that you mentioned it grows with the student. Uh, I first learned about keeping a portfolio for your student at an um, MSEC parent-to-parent workshop. And my gosh, it was many, many years ago, probably something like 2006. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I kept those binders and it, it, it they just grew with my son. And I have to say, Yeah, as you just mentioned, he also used those binders to fill out college applications, Mm -hmm. and it was so handy because everything was in one place. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a big fan of keeping those binders as well. Well, I'm so glad
3: you mentioned that, and I'll just follow up with that. I am also a former parent-to-parent trainer, so I definitely understand and believe in the portfolio messages they put forward. And more importantly is, it, as a parent, it's intuitive for us to keep records. I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. We just keep all the stuff together in little piles someplace in a folder. What we're saying, I think, with Emzec and with families on the home front and with this book, we've really come together to say, organize it. Tell a story. Make it purposeful. Don't just make it a bunch of documents put into a binder. Tell your child's story as best as you can, and that's what the book kind of helps us do, helps parents do is tell that story in a way that they can organize it, and a teacher and a counselor in the school can read it. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Stacy. I want to ask you, Amanda, your research has focused on military-connected students, and from an educator's perspective, what are some other ideas that you yep. recommend parents can do to make those transitions into another school as easy as possible?
2: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I always look at student transitions through both my eyes as a parent and as as an educator, and then with the research, all built you know built in together to bring that up and what I think it is pivotal that for a smooth transition and when I talk about transitions you know I start with the smooth transition out of a school and then I also talk about the smooth transition into the into a school because they do go hand-in-hand hand. but it's the parent and the teacher really working together you know like I said before, you know, with the boots on the ground of they're the ones working directly with the military connected student as it You know, educator to educator, you know, from my classroom to somebody else's classroom, I always say teachers should help the student build an exit plan to leave the school. Um, And it's, you know, the joining of the parent, the teacher, and the student coming together as soon as you have orders and as soon as the student has a date of knowing when they're going to leave the school year, because most of the time, students will not finish the school year. And a lot of teachers, that's a surprise to the teacher of the student's not going to be here for the last week of school for finals. and so the teacher has to back up their entire curriculum for this one student who's PCSing. And so it's, we build what, what do we call an exit plan to look at when does the student then need to build their last final project? When do they need to take their exam in order to leave early? When do they need to do all of these things? And in that exit plan, the teacher is actively building the education binder with the parent, sending the parent, you know, what skills has the student mastered this year? What skills does the student still need to master before they leave? You know, maybe, you know, if if we're moving mid-year, maybe the student is just coming into, or just finished multiplying fractions, but hasn't yet gotten to dividing fractions, and the assumption is when they get to the new school, they'll be knee-deep in dividing fractions. And so there's skills that the student's going to need to build even within the moving cycle and it's taking all of that to help the student leave, but even on the other side, um, and I don't care if the parent does it first or if the teacher does it first, but within the first two weeks of a student being in class, We really need the parent and the teacher talking, and it needs to be more than just a hi, welcome to, or hi, my name is, my student is new. It's sitting down and looking at what does the curriculum need the student to be ready to do, and maybe where the student already has mastered skills, or maybe where the student needs to have some quick resources in order to be to stay up within the academics of the classroom. And so it's the parent and the teacher working together through that full season of leaving and through that full season of arrival.
1: Mm-hmm. Again, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Do you have a final piece of advice or perhaps a story or a suggestion for transitioning military families? Oh my gosh! There's
3: so much we can <laughs> talk about this for literally days, Katya. So I thank you very much for telling. It. I will. One of the one thing I I think for for me, there's one story that always hits hard, that hits home for me, and it's my it's a military family around the around the corner from me, who son was a star baseball player in uh, North Carolina. And who's was being scouted by colleges and all kinds of stuff his his uh, junior year, and they moved. And they moved to Florida in their in his senior year, and Florida's a little bit more competitive than where he was. And he sat the bench. Uh, he actually didn't even make the team. And he he really never quite got over the fact that his family had to move that last couple of years or that last year in his high school years, and it and he actually holds it against his dad to this day, and it's been a couple of years now. I I think of that story over and over and over again about what would I do if faced with that story and or faced with that scenario? Do you stay for your kid? Do you live separated lives? Do you, you know, what's the answer? And I think when it comes to military families, one size does not fit all, and that when it comes to school transition, your story is your story and your decision tree is your decision tree, and you have to do what works best for your family at the end of the day. Um, moving with high school kids and tweens and middle schoolers can be very difficult, and sometimes I think parents, they don't know what... They, they second-guess themselves a lot, and I guess at the, what I really want to re- tell parents out there is, whatever decision you make is the right decision for your family. Just go prepared and go with knowledge and be armed with understanding how the compact works. Be armed with understanding what your school policies are and what your eligibility is. And The last thing anyone needs is to be kind of punched in the gut or um, blindsided by something they didn't see coming. So my thing is, arm the parents with knowledge, as much knowledge as you can before you move.
2: Absolutely. And you know, Stacy brought up you know the compact and if you know, if I can give one piece of advice, it's for the parents and the schools, both of them, to really research and learn what the Military Interstate Compact Commission is for our military connected students. What what types of challenges does it protect and cover, and what types of challenges are left up between the parent and the school to work out together? Um, but knowing the compact and knowing when to implement the compact really is vital, and it's something you know that we, that in our book, we start talking about even in the season of leaving, of getting prepared. You asked for a story, so I'll offer a story on the you know the use of the compact. We talk about Sally on page 20 in our book and Sally's story is that when she was a sophomore in high school and this was just a few couple years ago when she was a sophomore in high school her dad received orders to PCS and of course she wasn't going to be able to finish the school year as most military students don't. Sally went to her teacher and explained the situation and the teacher told her that if she did not stay to take her state mandated exams she would receive zero credit for the class and have to repeat it repeat her entire sophomore year when she moved. Her teacher told her this, her school counselor told her this, the administration told her this, that she had to stay, she couldn't move with her with her dad. The parents called me crying, what do we do? And I said, you need to call the superintendent and you need to ask about the interstate compact and how that protects your child. The family called the superintendent, the superintendent used the compact to open the testing window, allowed Sally to take her test, two weeks early, that's all she needed, take her test two weeks early. She moved with her family and she kept her 4.0 GPA, did not need to repeat a single class. But it was that advocacy for themselves and the understanding both at the superintendent level and the parent level of how do we implement the compact in real-world, real-case situations. So if we could bring that to the schools and to the parents, so many conflicts could be taken care of.
1: Now, I think what both Stacy and uh, you, Amanda, just emphasized is what we also say at parent to parent you are your child's best advocate. Right, mm-hmm. you got that. I want to thank you both, Amanda and Stacy, for taking the time to talk with me today and for sharing your expertise and your knowledge about transitioning military students.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having us. I I cannot tell you how grateful we are that you gave us this platform. And more importantly, we're thankful for what MSEC does for our families, military-connected families, parent-to-parent, and all the resources you guys put forward as well. We really appreciate the fact that you offered us this time to be able to share what we have, and we really appreciate what you guys do for us. Absolutely, I agree. Thank you for having both, Stacey. Now, it's such an honor
2: to work with MSAC and um, to be able to support parents and educators in you know through what you do and then through what we've done through our book. And we wanted to offer up to any listeners out there that if they wanted to learn more about the book, Seasons of My Military Student, Practical Ideas for Parents and Teachers, they can find it um, online at militaryfamilybooks.com or on Amazon, um, but straight from the publisher's MilitaryFamilyBooks.com. And then we would love to just continue a conversation on how we can support military-connected students, both as, both as teachers and as, as parents. Thank you.
1: I also want to thank all of our listeners today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we really always appreciate your comments, your questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about.
0: I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.